Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by David Levinson. He is interim president of Connecticut State Community College. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. I'm sure our listeners have heard of the 12 community colleges around the state, but they may not have heard of the name Connecticut State Community College. Tell us what that is. It's a new entity. That's correct. Connecticut State Community College will be the community college of Connecticut when we consolidate what are currently 12 independent community colleges. And the Board of Regents at their uh, May meeting decided to name this new consolidated institution, Connecticut State Community College. And we expect it'll be fully operational uh, come the fall of 2023. Certainly this is a plan that has been years in the making. Tell us what is behind the effort to fold all 12 community colleges into one single accredited institution? Sure. One of the things that has been a major concern uh, has to do with the financial underpinnings of our current 12 colleges. Right now, if you look at our state appropriations, uh, we simply do not have enough funds to cover 12 independent business offices, 12 independent financial aid offices. We don't have the funding that's necessary to provide 12 of each when it comes to you know basic infrastructure costs, back office costs, et cetera. And at the present time, uh, a number of our institutions are running a structural deficit, meaning they cannot pay um, or cannot compensate for all the expenditures to run their operations. So that was you know one of the reasons. Uh, the other reason, which is very important and probably to me much more important than that, has to do with issues of student success. Our colleges, and again, this is not due to any one person or any institution, but our graduation rates, our completion rates are below that of other states. And when you look at Connecticut and you consider the equity gaps that exist in terms of race, ethnicity, um, you know, uh, country of origin, you name it, um, what you see are a lot of inequitable distributions of resources throughout the state. So the intent of Connecticut State Community College is to pull those resources uh, to reduce, again, what euphemistically is often referred to as back office expenditures, and real important to dedicate 
more funds to campus-facing operations, to hiring more counselors, to create guided pathways so that all of our students are guided to success. So it's really an attempt to marshal what are and will continue to be scarce resources in student-facing operations. And that's the intent behind Connecticut State Community College. Community colleges in Connecticut date back to the 1960s. These 12 institutions have their own identities, their own campuses. How much of that will be kept and how much of it will be consolidated under this plan? Well, the issue of local identity is critically important to me personally and for the state. I served as president of Norwalk Community College for 15 years, and the local community was critical for our success. The Norwalk Community College Foundation raised millions and millions of dollars to help support our students. So as part of this plan, we want to celebrate and strengthen the local connections. Each college will have its own chief executive officer. Each college will continue to have their own foundation. And each college will depend on their local communities to offer the kind of wraparound services that our students need, whether it be food, shelter, healthcare, you name it. So maintaining the local identities is of critical importance while we strengthen the kind of services we can provide at a local level, again, by reducing the administrative overhead that is currently incurred by running 12 separate institutions. What is the timeline for folding these institutions into one? Well, the timeline is we've already begun the process. And again, what's really important to us, we want to and need to respect the individual accreditations of each institution. So what we are doing is we're coalescing into one in a gradual fashion. For example, this summer, resources willing, we'll be hiring additional holistic case managers, counselors, who will be working with our students. These individuals will be placed at the various campuses that currently exist. So as we coalesce the 12 into one, uh, we will improve the actually on-ground services that our students are getting. So the timeline is, you know, we've, we began the process about three years ago. We're continuing the process now. Only yesterday did we provide a progress report to our creditors, the uh, New England uh, Commission on Higher Education. And so we are using them for their guidance because, again, we need to satisfy the accreditation criteria uh, to become a full-fledged institution. But it's a process that has been ongoing for a number of years and will continue to do so. What is the projected savings of, of doing this? Projected savings right now is between 23 to $25 million. But you know with, what's really important, it's not just the savings, but are the funds that are going to be available to reinvest in our students and to reinvest on the ground level. So where the rubber meets the road, we will have more counselors, more faculty to guide our students than we have now. Can you give us some examples of how this might improve the student experience? Sure. At the present time, when a student enters one of our colleges, they don't have the luxury of having a personalized assigned advisor. What will happen over time that each of our students who attend our institutions 
we'll have an individual that will be part of a very important relationship as soon as they begin their studies. So they will have a holistic case manager, a counselor, who'll be working with them from the get-go. And that's something we don't have at the present time. Our faculty do a great job advising, and it varies a lot by program. Uh, for example, you know, in nursing where we have very strong cohort type of uh, classes, uh, there is phenomenal advising. It's a very lockstep process due to the accreditation of the nursing league. But when we have literally thousands of students in what we call currently general studies, which is really a form of a liberal arts education, um, often there are literally thousands of these students who don't have that access to one dedicated individual. So by doing that and by uh, implementing a nationally proven strategy that's referred to as guided pathways, uh, we're convinced that we can ensure greater student success through Connecticut State Community College. I know there has been a lot of effort in recent years to, to make the process for community college students to continue on to one of the regional universities or UConn. Will that change in any way under this plan? No, again, we hope that will be strengthened. And, you know, the transfer articulation process or TAP, which now exists for over 25 majors, we look at expanding. And what's really critical to us is that when a student transfers, uh, their credits all go with them and they get accepted by one of our four universities and or UConn and also with the private institutions in Connecticut, which are in themselves a very robust sector. So what we want to see happen, uh, our students really have a seamless experience and very important have a seamless experience when they're in community college. Right now, if a student is registered at Norwalk Community College and wants to take an online course at Naugatuck Valley Community College, she or he has to apply for admission to Naugatuck. What we envision with the one community college that students will be able to take courses from throughout the state. And we look at our students and we now see about 20, 25% of our students are doing that. And especially given the pandemic, um, what we wanna make uh, aware or emphasize is that we have resources throughout the state of Connecticut that every student, every individual in Connecticut take, could take advantage of. Another thing the state's community colleges are known for is advanced manufacturing. Will this plan at all bolster those programs? Yes, well, when we look at advanced manufacturing, we look at additive manufacturing, we look at expanding that. I mean, we have various manufacturing technology centers, which still will be a mainstay of this program, but again, we're looking to invest more in that and, and real important to respond to the needs of employers and prospective employers in the state of Connecticut. We view Connecticut State Community College and our current community colleges as instrumental in the economic recovery of the state and the pain that we are all suffering from the pandemic. So we look at the importance of manufacturing being critical, but also real important other industry sectors in the state which we want to serve through our current community colleges and will continue through Connecticut State Community College. So if all goes as planned, when will the accreditations of the, the 12 institutions be turned in and you'll be the newly accredited Connecticut State Community College? Well, we're looking for that to happen um, certainly by the fall of 2022 because we want to start admitting students, you know, 
really for the academic year starting in 2023. So we wanna have this institution up and running by then. We wanna make the process seamless for our students. So it's very important is that it's, they will realize and actually benefit from the consolidation. It's not gonna be onerous for them. It'll be a process that we will take care of administratively. But what we do is we do need permission from our accreditors and we do need to be accredited. Uh, as Connecticut State Community College as, as uh, in order to be able to do this. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to David Levinson. He is interim president of the new Connecticut State Community College, which will become the 12 current community colleges, which are being folded into one under the Board of Regents plan, dubbed Students First. Now, Doctor, you mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic, and certainly that has caused countless challenges for for people in any number of of ways, but it has also caused problems for higher education. You know, last semester, students and faculty and staff had to pivot to online with virtually no notice. What's the plan look like for getting back to the classroom? What we're doing now is all of our institutions are finalizing their plans uh, for the fall. One of the things that many of our institutions feel is that there needs to be on-ground instruction for some students. You know, when you look at English as second language courses, for example, and some other, you know, classes that are laboratory-based, there's a very strong feeling that we want to be able to offer those types of courses on ground to our students. At the same time, we're very conscious of the need of physical distancing, of all the safety precautions involved in this pandemic. So we wanna be very judicious in how we do that. And also given each physical plant of our 12 community colleges is so different, um, we wanna make sure that we take into account the physical resources within. Um, our colleges vary in terms of density, density in terms of online, of, of on-ground courses. And so each of our institutions are unique. Right now, each offer different types of programs, have different physical spatial uh, availability. And we want to make sure that we can individually, in each region, each part of the state, serve those students that need to be on ground. So it's actually a very complex process because of the differences in our institutions. And again, we're figuring out the physical distancing requirements. We're looking at, you know, budgetarily what we can afford to do. Um, We know that the most valuable thing that students experience are the relationships with faculty and also with peers. And uh, while uh, WebCT, Zoom, Uh, Microsoft Teams does a fairly good job in replicating that virtually. We also understand the need for that on-ground connection. Um, So it's a really difficult process. And now we have weekly phone calls um, where where each of the CEOs and presidents have done wonderful work with the regional presidents also working with them. We're hoping individually at each college to be able to start announcing these things soon after the beginning of July, because we, we want to do it and we want to get it right. And of course, we want to be in a situation where if any public health conditions were to change, and of course, we don't have a prediction as what's going to happen, we want to be able to make those necessary changes and to plan ahead. I mean, what I was just looking at some survey results and what is so gratifying is when we surveyed our students about the spring semester, 
the overwhelming majority had a very positive experience. Um, I know it was so difficult and our faculty had to do this literally overnight, but it was very gratifying to see that 75, 80% of our students uh, in response to surveys that we gave out um, were very content with the experience that we offered. At the same time, there's a noticeable desire, if possible and if safe, to restore some of those ground-based uh, relationships. Um, so we're, we're planning ahead, moving forward uh, within a few weeks, the colleges should be announcing their plans to their students. Will it most likely be a, a combination of online and in-person courses with some courses, a, a blend of those two? That's correct. Yeah, there'll be some hybrid classes that will meet occasionally. They'll be fully online and fully on ground. And again, it's, it is such a difficult balancing act um, because when you start computing, you know, the square feet in a science laboratory, you know, the need of, you know, having lab-based experiences, you know, for example, for nursing students, the clinicals that they have to do, and how do you manage all of this within the context of keeping our students, staff, and faculty safe? It's, it's very, very difficult, but uh, we're proceeding in a very fortuitous way. Overall, I, I would suspect that the student population of community colleges might have more of the economically disadvantaged among them compared to four-year institutions. Is there a digital divide you're concerned about? Do all students have access to, say, a computer to, to get their work done? Yeah. I mean, looking at the, the results of the survey, it seems that, you know, anywhere from 85 to 90 percent of our students do have access of technology and reliable technology at home. There are certainly those who do not. And one of the the most amazing things that have happened that started happening in the spring are the the computers, the Chromebooks and hotspots that various foundations in the state have provided to our students. It, it's just been yeoman work. And we believe that, you know, we can't say that 100% of all of our students have easy access, but through the literally thousands of pieces of technology that have been acquired and it gets paid for often by our foundations uh, throughout the state, that we believe we're in, in really good shape in terms of bridging that technological divide. Now, with the health concerns related to COVID, is it more challenging to craft a plan to return to in-person learning in a community college setting as opposed to a residential college? Yeah, it's interesting. It's quite different because, you know, Two-thirds of our students are currently attending part-time, and of course, I'd love to see more of those become full-time. So we have a lot of traffic of people coming in and out, um, and this goes on from, you know, eight in the morning to 10 in the evening for our colleges. So in terms of headcount, we have a huge number of people, um, you know, taking classes, and this is also, in addition, non-credit classes at our colleges. We don't have residential facilities, so on that end, um, it's a bit easy for, easier for us that we don't have to take into account a residential community. However, given the flow of people in and out of our institutions, that provides a major challenge. And it's something that we are at great lengths analyzing and uh, computing. Um, so it's a mixed deal. You know, in, in many ways, we don't have the residential space, but we have tremendous amount of foot, tra foot traffic coming in and out of our colleges. Switching gears, last spring, this past spring, 
officials announced free community college called the Pledge to Advance Connecticut, which is being rolled out this coming fall. Tell us about that. Yeah, we're very excited about this. Um, this is a plan that is what's called a last dollar plan, meaning that as part of having free tuition community colleges in Connecticut, a student has to fill out a FAFSA form, the federal, uh, age, federal aid form that all students need to complete. Uh, they have to also accept any and all awards that are given to them financially. And as a last dollar plan, what the PAC program does is to provide resources to make that student whole. And if a student does not have access to those resources, their entire tuition will be paid for through the PAC program. But we do require everyone to complete a FAFSA form. Um, it's our pledge to advance Connecticut. It's something that we developed in, in conjunction with the Connecticut State Legislature. Um, it's a phenomenal program. And a very important part of that program, it does require students to attend full time, which means that they need to register for at least 12 credits a semester. And while that will result in some students having a challenge because 85, 90% of our students are working and hopefully are still working, at least part time, um, you know, a credit load in addition to taking care of children, having family responsibilities, et cetera, is difficult. The one thing I would say to our folks is that, you know, those 12 credits can be a variety of different experiences. Some could be on ground, some can be online, some can be hybrid. Um, so it's something that we want to encourage full-time attendance because all the research shows that the more credits you take, the more likely you are to complete your degree or certificate. Now, the Board of Regents set aside $3 million for this program for the fall semester, but a funding source hasn't been identified for semesters beyond that. What's the chance that money becomes available or is made available to continue it into the spring and beyond? We think very good, a very good chance. I mean, the legislature also, of course, uh, had to uh, immediately go out of session. So they never really had an opportunity to discuss uh, the funding of this plan, the way it was written into legislation. Uh, there was supposed to be an I-lottery, a virtual lottery created that would fund it. Um, and also that the governor will be looking for additional resources uh, for the program. But when the legislature uh, basically concluded its business, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, that was not addressed. And that's what resulted in the $3 million on the part of the Board of Regents uh, being dedicated to this program. So we look at it something that has a very good prospect of being funded beyond. There are a lot of philanthropic entities that are very excited about this program. And you know we believe it's an investment. It's an investment in our students and it's an investment in completing either degrees or certificates so they can have you know uh, upward mobility throughout their lives. To that point, in our last minute, talk a little about the affordability, the value of community college, even if you plan to continue on to a four-year degree and beyond. Yeah, there, there's nothing like it. I mean, for basically, you know, less than $5,000 a year, you can attend community college full-time. With the work that we've done in terms of transfer and articulation, your credits are good anywhere. Um, the quality of the instruction in our community college, the phenomenal faculty and staff that we have uh, prepare you like no other. And also what's really important about our colleges is that personal connection. When I think of my undergraduate experience, I had class of 300 students. 
um, I had a professor and maybe a teaching assistant who would uh, connect with me. We don't have that in our schools. We have college uh, classes that are no larger than 35 or 38 students. The average class size is about 22, 23. So you get incredible personal connection. You get a value proposition that is second to none. And you, you, you get to blossom in these environments, especially in so many students who may not have achieved what they wanted to do in high school and adults too, who never completed their education. But I've seen so many thousands of students that literally come alive in our community colleges. So there's nothing like it. The return on investment is phenomenal. The different modalities of instruction, you know, relate beautifully to the needs of our students. And again, it's the best thing going. And we hope to see an increase in our enrollments come the fall. He is David Levinson, interim president of Connecticut State Community College. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.